Beers and Banter, episode 17. We've got Peter Gwynn, special guest, fastest man on two wheels around the Gold Coast, they say. We've got all the NRL, Titans, coaching, fallout, cricket, tennis, AFL, and so much more. Let's do this. Welcome to the Sweaty Box, Pete. How are you? Thanks, Matty. Yeah, good. Thanks for having me, mate. Not a problem. Big Red. Dilsey, how are you? Hello, Pete. Thanks for coming, mate. Yeah, no, cheers. I'm not sure what we're going to talk about tonight. There's not not a lot of sport over the weekend. Uh, It's been a quiet weekend. uh, The old uh, eyes are struggling to stay awake after a full night in front of the TV last night. Huge, wasn't it? Unbelievable. It was. Awesome. Where do you want to start? Let's get the Titans out of the way, eh? Where do we always start? I'm gonna I'm gonna admit straight off the bat, I didn't even watch the game this week. Given up? Uh, went out for dinner Friday night and planned to watch it when I got home on replay. Saw the score and didn't bother. Yeah, it's uh, it's just another one of those games where they just didn't turn up, didn't try, nothing went their way. Just uh, pretty much sums up the year, and obviously the news since then is. Coach is gone. Yeah, that's the obvious fallout. It's sort of drums have been beating. We we called it here on the show a couple of weeks ago that um, Brennan would be gone. Uh, the default answer for everyone straight after that was, "Oh, Kevy Kevy will be the coach." But he's since come out and said no, that he's he's focused on Queensland. I think that's just him driving up his price. To be honest, he's, he's, it's a bit of a negotiation tactic making sure the clause is in there so he can coach Queensland next year and getting getting the right sort of money. But what what do you reckon? Do you, is he coming or there's someone else or they're just going to let it ride? Well, I mean, he's obviously – the Gold Coast have been looking towards him for a while now. He's obviously the probably the number one target. Um, he has publicly said that he's not interested, but funnier things have happened. Um, I think it's – and I was talking to a, a off-air before um, – a mad NRL mate in Sydney, and and as he said, it's it's a massive decision for the Gold Coast now. They're sort of at the crossroads as far as a team. It's a critical critical time. Uh, I won't cop any of this talk that it's that, that they need to relocate them. I think for the first time in the club's history, they're probably really stable off the field, and that's why I think the the board has basically turned around and said, "Well, we're stable here. We need some good results on the field. Otherwise, we're going to lose money." So. You know, Freddie Fittler coming out and saying now's the time to move the Titans. I won't cop that. The first team that should be moved is the Roosters. They get no one to their games. You know, don't talk about Titans crowds. I think <laughs> I think Gold Coasters get a bad rap for not turning up to the footy. We've still got an average crowd of eleven thousand, which you know it doesn't sound impressive when you talk AFL, but when you talk an NRL, that's that's actually not too bad compared with some of those mm. Sydney teams. So I don't want to hear relocation in regards to the Titans. They just need a good, successful coach, and uh, you know. They can start getting some runs on the board. Yeah, and I think it obviously the buck now falls with Mount Meninga. He, hopefully he's the one that's going to be making the decision. Um, you know, the board is obviously made up of business people and not yeah. football people. Mao's there with that real football brain. Um, and I think it's got to come to the fore and and make the decision and get the right man there. And hopefully we can attract a few players. Um, and we've said it before, the Gold Coast – is a very fickle location for, for sporting teams. And if they're not winning and they're not getting the results, people just don't go. Yeah. I, do you think Mal becomes a like a deterrent for a potential coach? Like if you're a Tim Sheens or a 
you know, Craig Bellamy, do you actually look at the Gold Coast and go, yeah, do you know what? I don't want Mal Meninga looking over my shoulder. I'm, that You know, the Titans isn't an appealing job for me. Yeah, I mean... Could I, that be part of Kevy's problem? He doesn't want to be in Mal's shadow? Well, I would have thought Kevy and Mal had got a pretty good relationship and if anything, that would, would probably help Kevy make a decision with Mal being there. But, you know, obviously Mal's been there since the start of the year. This mid-season review or whatever they like to call it, review has been going on for the last five or six weeks. Yeah. They didn't but, even wait for it to be delivered before... Um, no, nah, well, it was obviously... I mean, that's obviously in the review that it was going to happen, so I think that it was better to get it out of the way sooner rather than later. But I guess what I'm trying to say is it, how much input has Mao actually had into the coaching side of it? Um, you know, he, he said all along that he's come there to, as a football manager, head of football. Yes. But to let Garth Brennan do his job and coach in the side... Um, how much he's interfered or not, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it's so critical. I, the Gold Coast gets a bad rap as far as like, oh, you know, nothing's ever going to be successful on the Gold Coast. People go there and they they can't they can't perform or don't perform, but it's actually the base for some of the best athletes in the world at their given sport. So I don't understand why the the big uh, football codes come here and don't excel like. Mm. Is there a better place to train on the planet than our climate? Like, I think this morning was the coldest I've ever seen. It was about five degrees. Like, why yeah. the hell would you want to live in Melbourne or Sydney when you could live on live on the Gold Coast? But it, but is that part of the problem? You know, yeah, we've we've got the so called glitter strip, but um, there's there's nightclubs in Sydney. There's nightclubs in Melbourne. Mm. I I don't understand that. You know, oh, people come to the Gold Coast and that's you know it's not a good place for for success. I don't get it. Yeah, it's always been that perception, hasn't it, that you know, young footballers, be it NRL, AFL, come to the Gold Coast, to the Suns, all the Titans, to you know, live the life and surf and put their feet up. But yeah, you're right; it's it's a pretty good spot to to train and and live. And there's no reason why they shouldn't be getting results. It just shout yeah. out, shout out to Big Moz too. He was the one that pointed out to me how bad the Roosters crowds were today. So thanks for that, Moz. <laughs> um. Yeah, you know, we're obviously passionate. Everyone lit me up on Facebook and text message as soon as the news, you know, I had, had them coming thick and fast before I'd even got the, the member's email. I'd, I'd already heard it from three or four places that he was gone. I'm obviously, you know, easy to wind up in this space, but if the, if the Titans aren't successful and, and for whatever reason they let them fail, you lose the catch when the kids from, um, say, Logan through to about Coffs Harbour that, you know, they're not playing rugby union, I can yeah. tell you that. They're, they're going to go to AFL because yeah. AFL's spending big money here and you guys are probably fairly the real happy. game. Yeah, well, you know, you guys have got grins on your faces, but um, I, this is this is rugby league heartland. <coughs> Northern Rivers, Gold Coast, there's some great footballers that come out of this, this region. Can you imagine if guys like uh, Cameron Smith and that had grown up and, you know, the Broncos was the only team and then they ended up going to AFL? Yeah, please. The Suns are. Um, I mean, they're in a bit of trouble as well. So, I was going to say, in your favour, Red. I don't think they'd be moving in a hurry to leave the Titans to go and follow the Suns or yeah, play for the Suns. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's another issue. Big difference, though, and rightly so. The Titans don't get any exemptions. There's no. There's no leg up for the Titans. Whereas the Suns, how much subsidy do they get from the AFL? Oh, fully subsidised, I believe. Yeah, I, I don't know the specifics, but. Yeah, you got to remember the NRL. The Titans have been propped up by the NRL for yeah, they were owned, the yes, last couple yep. of years. 
but we don't get salary cap exemptions. We don't get draft picks. We don't get any sort of leg up when it comes to the actual competition. So whereas the, do that, does that still happen in the well, NFL? Like the Lions for a long time, they got they got salary cap exemptions. I yeah. think the Suns did, didn't they? When they when they first came into the comp for a few years, they got you know higher draft picks and and special exemptions. Yeah, they got the pick of like twenty of the best kids. Yeah, uh, you know they sort of wasted that. That's yeah. Now, but um, I actually sat next to an AFL legend on Friday, and I sort of said to him, "What it was uh, Richard Champion? Actually, he was a good fella. Had a good chat. Um, Did he know who you were? Yeah, he said, "Oh, you're Big Red from Beers and Banner." <laughs> <laughs> Signed a couple of things yeah. for him. Anyway, shout out to Richard. He's a good bloke. Um, but, but I said, "Well, what, what are they going to do?" And he just like stability. They've, they've rolled through three captains. So if the captain doesn't want to play at the Suns, you know, what chance have you got getting young yeah. kids to, to want to stick around and play? So, you know. I think the issue is, uh, you know, the kids, are, they're all from, in, a lot lot from in the state and they just want to go home. But, you know, the lines of recruited kids that knew each other in Victoria, went to boarding school together, they're mates. So, oh, yeah. So they've got a culture there now and it's starting to show that these kids are coming up here, but, you know, they want to stay here because they're with their mates all the time. They've got, they've got something to do when they first get here. Yeah. So yeah, right. I think they've got to look at, it's got to be the culture. I mean, it's not up to the AFL to create a culture for the for the Gold Coast Footy Club. It's up to the, it's up to them to create a culture that wants to keep people here. So, I, I I think I've said it on the podcast before. I just don't understand what what Craig Bellamy says different to every other, or maybe Craig and Trent Robinson, and maybe maybe one or two others that you can just tell that they demand excellence. And if the if they say jump, the players say how high. How is that not the case at every other club? Yeah, and people say, "Oh, you know, the Titans. It's a third coach they've sacked." There's there's no other club in the comp other than Bellamy and Robinson that would have had any sort of stability. Broncos have run their third coach since, so it's only our third coach in history. So Cartwright, Henry, Garth Brennan over eleven years. It's actually not that bad no. when you look at South Sydney have gone from Maguire, Seabold, Bennett. Broncos have gone. Uh, Henjack, Griffin, Bennett, Seabold. You know, look at any other club. Warriors would have been through half a dozen. Penrith have gone uh, Cleary, Griffin, Cleary, or something like that. Like every club changes coaches every every few years, yep. and it's just this round of you know merry go round that keeps happening. I think you've hit it. You've hit the nail on the head there with culture. That the Suns and the Titans both lack culture, and and it's evident in the Titans when. You've got all these ex-players that are putting their hand up and saying that, you know, the club doesn't hold functions and events and stuff for the, the past players and they're not involved with the club. You look at these these other clubs, Collingwood in the AFL, like they've got this culture of years and years and years of, of history of results and past players and a culture within the club. The Suns and the Titans just don't have it. I nearly, I nearly just blurted out at your what's culture, but you, yeah, that's – You've known you know it. what what you build the club on. You build the club on results and history and past players and. We'll push back though. They got they got Preston Campbell does a good job there, and you you see a lot of engagement and you know maybe and to be to be honest, a lot of the people online that are commenting maybe you shouldn't even listen to them because they're not invested in the Titans. The only people's opinions that really matter about the way forward are maybe the members of the Titans themselves. That's who the board really need to listen to. These are the people yeah. that have stuck with you for the last ten and years. I guess even even when you you look at culture and you say, well, you know, the NRL, the Titans have got a board made up of business people, not actual football people. Daryl Kelly's and, been around footy for a long time, though, hasn't he? 
Yeah, but you look at you look at other clubs that have got that culture and they've got past players in their coaching, you know, legends like Manly have got Desi Hasler, an absolute legend of the club. That instantly builds culture. You know, that's part of the culture of Manly and, and the players that come there feel part of the culture. They want to be a part of it moving forward and Yeah. I don't know. I, I just think we've got to get we've got to somehow find some culture and or build a bit of culture and I reckon if I had a dollar for every time you'd said culture, we'd nearly be able no, to pay Junior's Jaffa officer. That's big. That's what that's what that's <laughs> what clubs are built on. Yeah, it comes from the leadership, doesn't it? So they get a big name in there and someone that everyone looks Absolutely. up. Absolutely. You know they'll. Is, is it time to stop trying to buy the next big thing? And I know they did it with Jared Hayne and failed, but he was always going to be flaky at best. Do they need to throw like a real heap of money at 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 one of these real marquee players like? Or is it, uh, or have they finally got the model right, which is the team is finally full of kids that either grew up on the Gold Coast or, or originally from the Gold Coast. Like that is the only good thing I see about our roster right now. But it's majority people, the majority of the people from Southeast Queensland. There's not a whole lot of Sydney guys there that want to retire on the Gold Coast. I think Coast. they have got it right though. When you look at their two big recruits from last year, Peachy and and Boyd, and you know we're paying Boyd big Cart- dollars. Cartwright, you can throw him in there. Cartwright was a couple of years ago. You know, three big recruits in the last couple of years, and well, we've two just, of them are, are two of our worst performing players this year. We just sacked the coach that was responsible for them, so that probably tells you a story. That 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 is probably the key: is that the big recruits that really should have polished off our roster for the year have been duds, and well, not uh, is that too harsh? Could, no, yeah, they've been spot on. they've been pretty average. Um, so that's probably the key, and he was the man that brought them to the club. So. Mm. So maybe that was, you know, part of his undoing. Uh, before we move off the NRL, spear tackle, haven't seen one for a fair while, probably probably a you know, legitimate spear tackles probably since and even Alex McKinnon's wasn't, but um I can't believe Ricky Stewart's coming out and trying to defend that player and saying, Hey, he shouldn't have been sent off. Like that's that's as spear tackle as it gets. He's picked him up, he's lifted from the legs, and then he's driven him into the ground. Like it's not like he let go halfway and thought, shit, got him in a crook position. That was that was driving into the ground. That that tackle there is what puts shivers through the mother's spines and stops the kids playing footy, I can tell you now. Yeah, I was actually watching the game live when it happened and, and straight away I thought it's not good. Um you know, and the referee called him straight over and had no hesitation in sending him off. And, and I think they said it was the first send off in maybe two or three years. Yeah, no. First, Definitely the first send-off f- this year. First send-off for a spear tackle in 24 years. Mm. Heard it this afternoon on the radio. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, it's obviously the NRL are big on protecting players and unfortunately we had a you know the serious in- injury you talk about a couple yeah, of years ago. I don't want to ever see that happen um, to a kid again. Like, no. That's something that's been removed from our game and mm. I think everyone should be happy and for And I it. think the action, you know, he, he got him into a dangerous position but then he actually drove him into the ground. Yeah. I think that's what really... It's, it is touch and go. It, th- there's millimetres and that probably just been a real solid hard tackle. Yeah. But the fact that he just sort of lifts him... And, and then, then drives tip, him. He tips and drives him. That That's where it sort of all mm. went wrong. But yeah. more big news, I don't know if you saw this, Steve Folks was named as one of the players that was showing signs of CTE. Mm. So uh, rest in peace, Steve Folks. He uh, uh, passed away and obviously they kept those names uh, redacted the other week, but his family's come out and said... Redacted? That. Is that the right word? It's redacted. It's like the CIA documents <laughs> about Area 51. They're all redacted. They're all blacked out. 
So he obviously uh, nominated for his prior to his death. He obviously nominated for his brain to be yeah. part of the research. And I, it I certainly uh, sort of created a bit of discussion. We were having a bit of lunch yesterday with with some family, and sort of I've been trying to go back and look at. I've had a few concussions, you know, growing up, and the question it all makes was, sense now. It probably does, and you know, all jokes aside, but I don't think most of them weren't from footy. I had, I had a concussion in an IRB once. I had a concussion playing basketball. I had a proper concussion in the boxing ring. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've had a few. That was yeah. a good sleep, that wasn't was it? Yeah, I was. Yeah. Um, we might get we might get that bloke on someday to talk about that. But um, if and then the question was asked: Well, do rugby league players are they just more susceptible to those things or? You know, I'd, I'd love to talk to someone about the science of it because I'm really talking out my ass a little bit on it. But it's it's a it's a full on topic, and they're saying maybe the NRL won't be as as liable as what say the NFL were in the US because they haven't hidden anything. This is all just coming out, and everyone's got getting the information at the same time. Whereas in the NFL, they sort of knew that there was something wrong with their players and and didn't do anything about it. But it, it's um I don't know. It just raises raises a talking point where. You know, is that damage caused by football? Sorry, this is the point I'm trying to get to. Is is the damage caused by football, or is someone that plays football more more likely to go and do other reckless things? Like, is there a direct link from playing footy, playing rugby league, and that impact versus you know just going about going about your day the lot? Is there enough sample of people that have not played rugby league? I guess is probably where mm. I'm getting to to know. Well, is that present in other well, people? The the thing that interests me is what. And obviously, I think Peter Sterling is is one that's put his hand up, and there's a couple of I think recent players that have done it as well. But once the once the NRL gets enough information or enough results out of these testing, like what happens to the game if it's proven that these guys have got injury from playing rugby league? Where does the game then go moving forward? There's obviously going to be rules and regulations implemented to try and protect you know that happening in the future. And it's a, it's the same as boxing. This was this was the discussion yesterday at lunch, that, and the boy uh, father-in-law got me all, all fired up because <laughs> he said, "Oh, you know, boxing versus UFC," and I said, "Well, boxing's probably worse than UFC as far as this sort of damage, and boxing have taken no steps to to you know protect their fighters." So I would say rugby league would be the same as that you played at your own risk. Yeah. A boxer, you get knocked out, you've got ten seconds to stand up before they rule the fight off. In UFC, if, if you get knocked down and you can't defend yourself, the fight's over. So what they're talking about is just repeated repeated damage. With a boxer, you could be out cold. So Tyson Fury was out cold against Deontay Wilder. Next minute, his eyes opened, and like Lazarus, he sat up, stood up, and made the 10 count, and then got back into fighting. And that's exactly... We're saying rugby league player, if you're showing signs of a head knock, you've got to come <laughs> off the field. And boxers, it's just like, well, have 10 seconds and go again. Yeah, know. but if you open your eyes in UFC, the, your opponent closes them again in a hurry, doesn't he? That's what I'm saying, though. If you can't defend yourself, the mm. fight's over. Whereas in boxing, it's like, well, have, an, have 10 seconds. Yeah. Whereas the ref should be able to see there. Clearly, clearly can There's a lot of wrestling in UFC, too. Not as yeah, many. there is. Direct, direct hits to the head. Well, that was a pretty, pretty serious <laughs> knockout there the other week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's plenty of it. Most still, mm. It's not, not constant wax to the head. But. I don't know. I'm going around and around in circles, I think, but it's just. It, it's going to be a big topic, probably yeah. for well, for a few I think sports. The biggest issue is kids. You know, the parents are going to see the the um, absolutely. You know, the, and then the kids are going, they're going to go nah, no footy, no whatever. Well, what about the worst thing is 
that always used to make me wear headgear. And now they've come out and basically said the headgear doesn't do no. anything. Mate, that stops sort of direct impact yeah. as far as like cuts and bruises, but does nothing to stop concussion, which the you know, the, flicking back. Yeah. it's the brain actually yeah. moving inside the skull mm. that's the problem. So, yeah. well, uh, we might try and get some sort of brain surgeon on here to talk about that at some point. Uh, that's all I had for the NRL. I sort of lost interest after I saw the score. Yeah, I mean, there was Titans. obviously, uh, and I think we touched on it last week, Cameron Smith played 400th. Oh, that was... That, yeah, sorry. Yep. I watched that game and, you know, that was a pretty good tribute, um, what the what the NRL and Melbourne Storm did before the game. I mean, it's unbelievable achievement, 400 mm-hmm. games. Ah. And to think that he's probably got another 50 still in him, you know, two years, he, potentially. He, he's showing no signs of no. slowing up. And now all of, it's like not playing rep 40 is really... Um, yeah, I mean, he's definitely really? going to go around next year. So you look at, you know, another 20-odd games next year. There's probably another 10 to go this year. You know, he's going to get close, if not over 450 games. It's... Imagine the, the training sessions, uh, the stretching, the recovery sessions yeah. he's done, you know, the the media and just a massive amount but, of time. And, and he touched wood. He doesn't get injured. Yeah. He's not. He's a freak. No, That's he, why he's made 400s because yeah. he's, pl- he's played them all. He hasn't had a serious injury either. He's he's a... He's a, just a freak. Well, yeah. think about it. if Origin wasn't a thing, he would have played another 40-odd because yeah. he yeah. would have missed 40-odd origin, forty odd yeah. round games through Origin. Yeah. Um, he's a funny character for me, even though he's Queensland and, and I loved him when he had the Maroon jersey on. There's something about him that it does sort of irk me. I do subscribe. He does – He, I don't know. He can be just that overbearing present sometimes but I don't maybe that's just part of what makes him great is that he's just so in control well, when he's on the field all well, like, his opponents <laughs> seem to really respect him and like him that's what I go back to with him like oh, respect I don't know if any of them I don't know if some of them like him yeah. they they can't they can't they can't not respect him because yeah. because of what he's done yeah uh, even Paul Gallant I think probably was one of the ones that had to admit that he you know yeah just massive respect for him even though he was on the wrong end of a lot of Cameron Smith's results but yeah you know, love him when he's playing for your team, so Queensland Australia. But when he's when he's playing against you, he's he's uh, certainly uh, certainly dominant. Well, and you, you know, you put it into perspective. Benji played his three hundreds on the weekend, and you think how long Benji's been around for? Like Benji came in the comp as a seventeen year old. Yeah, seems like he's been around for years, yeah. and he's he's a hundred games behind him. Well, he's what probably stopped him is his little jaunt into rugby yeah. probably affected his. Tally. Yeah, he missed yeah, a few couple injuries. of years there, yeah. but yeah, it's an awesome, awesome achievement, 400 games. So we're talking a little bit of Suns. They've obviously got the same sort of battles as, as the Titans. Who's their coach at the moment? Stewie Jew. Is he a big name? Is he a dominant coach, do you think? No, he went through the he – he's been through some good programs. Sydney and Port, I think it was. Sorry, yeah. Sydney and Hawthorne. Hawthorne he was yeah, – Yeah, so I think he's – who who was the ex who was the Essendon Bombers coach that went to, to helped with GWS to set him up? Kevin Sheedy. Do you reckon that's a big difference? Like new club, you can't have a, a new coach, you know what I mean? Like Titans. Titans have basically had rookie coach, not bad coach, rookie coach. Sons, Rodney Ede was a fair coach, so wasn't he, I suppose? Uh, no. Debatable, I think, so. I think he was at the end of his time when yeah. he so you know where I'm going. Like, if a new club needs a big presence from that, that's that coach is building that culture that you want to talk yeah. about and building that um, expectation, those KPIs of you know what, how how you need to perform. The, the obvious comparison. GWS are kicking on a lot better than yeah. the Suns and, is where and, I was yeah. getting at. And that's the obvious comparison is GWS against the Suns because they came into the comp at a similar time. Yeah. And when you look at 
you know, where they're at and GWS have played in the prelim the last couple of years and, you know, been a premiership contender. For me, it comes back to, to management, you know, recruitment, everything else. I just – the Suns just haven't been able to attract that same player that GWS have and, and you know, and they, they've both had similar draft picks. There's just something at the Suns that they just haven't got the right players. Yeah. Admittedly, they've lost – Three or four are probably their best players in the last 12, to 12 months, two they years. They look back and say Ablett was a mistake? I would say. I reckon big mistakes initially with the Suns. I, I, don't, think he, I don't think he ever wanted to be on the Gold Coast. Yeah. I think they had their opportunity and didn't have the right management in initially. Yeah. And then it's gone downhill from there. And now they're trying to rebuild. It's a, it's a long way back. Yeah. I think they're a lot further than the Titans. Because they could probably get marquee players, but no one's going to come and play for the Suns now. So yeah, right. They've got probably five or six years of development. Yeah, I mean that. They, they were they were in the hole two years ago, and they've somehow gone backwards from where they were two yeah. years ago. Yep. It's um, they're you know they're a long way off the mark, and you know they've only they're now back to we spoke about it just earlier, but they had draft concession picks earlier on in their in their uh, establishment, but they've now they've now but they're on a level playing field now and. Obviously, they're going to get some higher draft picks because they're lower on the ladder. But yeah, they've they're, they've got a long way to go. So, how many rounds to go have we got for AFL? Six or seven? Yeah, six or seven, and then finals. Who's looking the goods? Who's going to take it out? Ah, uh, look, Geelong is still top of the ladder, and grub, yeah, the grub's, grub's there. Um, the grub, the grub on this program is uh, Gary Ablett. Oh yeah, <coughs> protected species. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we spoke about it. I think I mentioned it earlier in one of the shows, but as a interstate side to finish top two um, is a massive advantage in the AFL. And at the moment you've got Geelong and, and West Coast. So West Coast... Geelong's to, in Victoria. Yeah, but, well, outside... <laughs> what I'm trying to say is the top two teams get basically two home finals. Right. They win their first okay. game, they get a week off, then they get the prelim at home. That's West, so going to West Coast. Pro- probably more yeah, so right, favours West you. Coast, but if yeah. West Coast can stay in second... Someone's got to travel over there and play them. Assuming they beat, assuming West Coast win, they then get a week off and then play a preliminary final at home in WA. Yeah, and then travel to Melbourne for the grand yeah. final. So that's the only thing. So that works a, again, as they they got to win the GF in Melbourne, though. Is, yeah, but they've proven now that they, you know, well, they won it there last year and they've they've won some games at the MCG this year. They're not. Yeah. That doesn't hold anything for them now. Before we rip into some of the other sports, should we try and get Junior on the phone and just get the see, what, yeah, see, see where he's been at? He's been in hiding. I'll get him here. He's probably, he's probably due for a win. Hi, boys. Junior. Junior. How you going? We're, we're starting to worry about you, mate. <laughs> You've been, Sorry, boys. I, uh... Been MIA for a couple of weeks. Just been regrouping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> work called. Sorry, boys. Um, no, that's all right. I've been, Isn't work punting? <laughs> I wish, Dylan. <laughs> I wish. I'd uh, I'd be broke though. The last few weeks, but um, uh, good pod the last two weeks, boys. I loved last week. Yeah, terrific. Yeah, it was probably my favourite so far. Well, this one, this Have one's you... going pretty good. We got uh, we got Pete in the in the uh, studio with us. He's one of the, one of the uh, leading cyclists on the Gold Coast. Fastest man on two wheels, they say. Yeah, Pete. Oh, how you going, mate? How are you? Have you got yeah, a Tour de France good. tip for us, Junior? Oh, Tour de France. Um, 
Have tides, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Stop it. Not, not, not my specialty, um, boys. But that has that has started last week. Yes. Yeah, weekend. Hey, weekend. I, I don't want to hurry, hurry up, Junior, but what do you got for us this week? So you are giving me the hurry up. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> We're behind. We're no, running behind. You're, you're right, mate. Hey, this week, there's a four-leg multi that just can't lose this week for the Jaffa. Um, oh, here we go. We, you yeah. don't have you don't have to cop cop the irate fans that put their house on it every week. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've seen a few sprays. It's still, it's still pretty bad. It's to put the car instead of the house. What, what about the nippers? I'm, I'm in hiding. I can't show my face at the club at the moment. <laughs> um, four leg multi. What do you uh, got this week, Red? Uh, so we'll go Richmond to beat Port Adelaide head to head. Yep. We'll go the Raiders to beat West Tigers. Yep. Uh, then we'll go the Rabbits to beat North Queensland up in Townsville. And um, we'll go Scotty for a top 20 at the uh, at the Open this weekend. Okay. Um, and that should come to about $8 or $8.50. Oh, Junior. Righto. And uh, do we have to come uh, up with some funds or have we got an anonymous... We might have an anonymous fan. Just leave that with me for the next 24 hours. And I think they've um, all dropped off, Junior, the yeah. anonymous fans. <laughs> Funnily enough, I had two mates from Perth uh, ring me this week and say we're, uh, we're Beers and Banners fans. So oh, that's good. There you go. It's growing. Yeah, it's growing. There you go. We've, we've, we've reached the West Coast. That's good. What? Great. So, yeah. I'll, well, I, like Scott, that I do like Scotty top twenty actually because I've I may have made a small investment on him a, a little while ago for this tournament, so I'm hoping he goes way better than that and takes it out. So, um, yeah, well, the fat bloke across the table from your red, um, I think he tipped it a while ago too. Can you do it, Pete, Pete Skinny? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, um, will you let us know whether we have got to sort that out or not, or how we're going to put that on? But um, I'll be all right. Yeah. Raiders, uh, Raiders, rabbits. Oh, makes me squirm. Oh. Easy, Reg. Easy. You'll be all right, Jane. You do you to jag one. This is the one that gets us back on track. <laughs> I've got the, I've got faith, Junior. You've been studying it for remember a couple that, of weeks. Remember that bloke that um put the wrong bet on? Yeah, remember I know. All those weeks ago, right? Yes, I do. Anyway, I do. We'll be right. Oh well. Good luck, Junior. Good stuff, boys. Righto, mate. Thank Cheers you, mate. That. Appreciate Take that. Care. See you, boys. Bye. See you, boys. Wow. There it is. That could get us close to the 1,000 in R- a hurry. Rabbits that beat Cowboys in Townsville. It's big. Yeah. I think they should do them, but... Should do. Cowboys, you just never know. That the, no, they're they're another team with a roster that just should blow everybody off yeah. the park. I mean, I, I watched their game yesterday against the Roosters. They were, they were impressive. Yeah. They were really good. So. We'll uh, we'll get that bet on, and hopefully we'll go close to yeah, nice sorting out the nippers. I really want to get into Pete's stuff. A couple of big things overnight. Super over. I'm sure there's plenty of shows talking about that. Massive, yeah, massive that was... finish to the Cricket World Cup. Gut wrenching really? for the Kiwis, though, right? Yeah, yeah sure. I mean, I, just quickly, I you know, I actually I watched it live on the TV last night. At the same time, I had the phone game with the with the Wimbledon final, and they were actually playing the tiebreak in the in the tennis the same time that the super over was going on. Oh, really? So that was pretty cool. But for me, I just – the rule that doesn't sit well with me, or not the rule, but the way – what probably influenced the game at the end there was when um, he went for the run and the Kiwis threw the ball in and hit Stokes' yeah. bat, came off his bat and went for four buys. That to oh. me 
you know, it, I know in in the rules of the game it's a buy, but I mean it's it's horribly unlucky. And well, I think what the bigger travesty is it's come down to boundaries yeah. hit. What, yeah, and that's why not just have a, another super over. That's a terrible rule. What too. about best out of three? World Cup final every yeah. four years have the best out of three. I think it's um, you know there'd be a better way to do it. I reckon. Yeah, I mean it's like it's like getting to the tiebreak at Wimbledon and saying, "Well, Federer wins because he served more aces yeah. during the five yeah. sets." Yeah. I mean that's just that's stupid. Terrible. Well, as it yeah. was, they cut the Wimbledon short. That you, that that was like 20, 25, 24 or something in previous years. Yeah, it used to always go on, but they, that was a new rule they brought in at twelve. All they played tiebreak, but yeah, terribly unlucky the Kiwis. I'm off the tennis a little bit, but I really enjoyed Dylan Alcott winning on the weekend. I watched that game. Uh, he's clearly dominant in that sport. He that was his doubles partner, and he sort of. Blew him off the court. Um, the guy can talk. He's got great charisma. Oh, I'm a big fan. He could be my favourite uh, Aussie athlete at the moment. Yeah. Just what flavour? Uh, One a Logie flavor. too. Couple of One a Logie. Yeah. <laughs> he's on fire. He, what's he up for next? Yeah. <laughs> I see him at the I mean, Oscars. You, you yeah. look at a guy that's in a wheelchair and been in a wheelchair his whole life. Yeah. And his outlook and his perspective on life. Amazing. And how happy yeah. go lucky is. Yeah. It's um yeah it's awesome. Yeah, we, we heard him talk at the club clips of lunch in the uh, last year and uh, amazing. He's a champion. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Righto. Tour de France. That's your, 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 we've, 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 that's what I'm here for, right? Yeah, we've yeah, dialed yeah. you in. Sorry, it's t- <laughs> we've taken half an hour oh, to no, get here. all good. I don't know a lot about NRL, I must admit. But no, that's all right. I'm about the tour. It's sports in general, though. It's, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Um, and we'll get into to some of the things that you've done as well, but I, I think people that are in cycling and, in, and even – even just like not professionals like yourself, like, you know, I'll, I'll use the word amateur, but I think mm. you're anything but amateur. So like um, triathletes and cyclists and guys that are in life-saving and Ironman yeah. and stuff like that, they're more committed to their sport sometimes than the dudes that we were just talking about for the last half an hour, you know, like, you know, off the drink, eat eat perfection, train six or seven times a week. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I've always wondered how guys that don't get paid to do their sport can be so disciplined and then guys that are getting paid a million bucks a year yeah, are eating meat pies I've, and drinking beers. I've always weekend. said, and Pete can probably shed some light on it, but I've always said that the guys that do the Tour de France are probably some of the best athletes in the world. I mean, to, to do what they do for, was it two weeks? Yeah, three. Three, three weeks three, and, yeah. and to ride that amount of kilometres per day every day through the hills – um, at pretty good speed, it's. I mean, they they're finely tuned athletes, De- and definitely some of the toughest. Yeah, you know, they just um, you know it takes a lot. Of, it's, it's a very grueling sport. So mental, mental as well as oh, yeah. physical. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So who's looking the goods over there at the moment? Um, it's pretty open actually. The top um, three of the top four from last year are out, so it's a bit of an open field. So there'd be a few rubbing their hands together, thinking you know. This year's my year. There's a couple of – well, there's one French guy, um, Thibaut Pinot, who's looking pretty good. Yeah. Like he's um, – he's like it's still to get into the main racing yet, but he's like only a couple of seconds off the, the main guys um, and looking really strong. So he's probably the my number one tip at the moment. Yeah, right um, There's a couple in Team Sky. Last year's winner is – you know, he's looking quite good as well. Um, and there's another young lad, a Colombian named um, Egan Burnell from Team Ineos, which is the old Team Sky. Yeah. Only 10, 22 years old, but he'll he'll win the tour four or five times in the next 10 years for sure. He is pretty much a freak. Wow. He could win it this year. Um, 
So yeah, any one of those three at the moment, I would say, are looking good. I used to I used to lose a lot of sleep when Cadell was riding. I, I used to follow on the app or the yeah. SBS app or on it. I've been trying to do it a little bit, but there's been so much sport going on. Last night there was you know half a dozen things that yeah. you could have watched. Um, I, I I default I, I like the F1, so I was following the F1. I couldn't keep my eyes on that. Um, it was a big crash in that. Um, you know, Vettel took out for Stappen, but. You know the the tour. It it it, it is sort of. I don't know. I like following all the tactics and all the talk and yeah. some. I'm you know watching guys ride bikes is probably not what you know. But I like hearing all the the strategies and you know who's doing what and. Yeah, we well, the null and there. It's a bit of a drama. It's yeah, a, a three week drama. Yeah, you know when you get to know, you know who doesn't like each other, who's working together. Yeah, um, you know there's a lot that goes into it. You know what? the team team owners are on the phone to each other all the time, or the or the directors in the car. So yeah, there's different tactics working. So even the the team makeup. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the team makeup. There's guys there to protect. So when Cadell Evans was riding, he had guys that actually protected him or, or looked after him in certain areas of the race and. You know, be at the climb or the sprints or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah, that's right. So there's guys that are just sacrificial lambs there. Basically, yeah. 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 Yeah, so you've got sort of different – there's there's people in the team for different reasons. So the idea is to win it overall or win one of the jerseys. So, yep. you know, there's guys there that will just sit on the front all day because obviously it's quite easy or it's much easier sitting behind another cyclist. So they're just domestics who, you know, look after the main GC guys. Yeah. The main riders are only at 100% of heart rate or max at about 16% of the whole race. Yeah, right. Yeah, the rest of the time, I mean, if you're sitting in a pack of 300 riders, you know, it's not – You're going to be having uh, espresso. Pretty much. Short, short black out the back. Yeah, yeah. There's hope for yeah. you yet, Red. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be having a mocha, you know that. <laughs> I, find it, I, was, um, I was listening to it, some coverage this morning and, and one of the commentators said that I think today was a rest day or yesterday was a rest day. Oh, it's coming up. No. And they, they were talking about what's involved with a rest day for these guys, and it's actually – it's not a rest day like we would have. They actually <laughs> yeah. get out on the bike and go for a ride, and yeah. albeit not as far, but it's – um yeah, I mean, they're, they're unbelievable athletes. You've it's, followed the tour before? You've been yeah, over Yeah, been over it, it twice and done, a, done, you know, a number of the stages, and, yeah, it's amazing. It's uh, just crazy. I mean, one climb I was up and up to his once. There was a million people up there. Is Watching, it? yep, and they come yeah. up. Like they start at twelve during the day, and then they they ride up in the afternoon, so it's really hot. Yeah, you get there first thing in the morning because it's packed, and there's it's a, it's a bit like a footy game. There's guys walking up with warm cartons of beer at seven in the morning, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and you know, there's they're not really cyclists; they're just cycling supporters. You, you know, could, they're just you like getting into this sport. Yeah, <laughs> oh mate, it's a big day up there. You can get into a lot of trouble, and it's just one big party up there. And you know, there's people camp there for a week to watch them go past once, but. It's pretty, It's just so much passion. It's amazing. Good fun. Yeah, it's it's you know special. Beautiful really scenery good. too. Ah, uh, just you know you just can't believe it when you're riding around there. You know you ride around and go look. It can't get any better. You go in another corner and you know it's it's amazing. And they're very you know very pro cyclists over there. So it's yeah. you know really friendly place to ride, which is good. Um, lots of lots of paths. You know, food, beer, everything, you know, it's just a good... It's just a, it's a cultural event, like it's a big road show, isn't it? Oh, well, it's like going to the AFL Grand Final every day for three weeks, pretty much. Mm. You know, if you're into cycling, it's just magic. Huge when it comes to your town. Like, you imagine being a kid that when that, that circus is coming to town, that'll be unreal. Yeah, well, we rode through the stages before, like, you know, two days before, and they're resealing all the roads, like full mm. resealing, just because the tour's coming through there and... You know, everything to do with the town's all been done up. It's just, it's a massive travelling show. Yeah. It's amazing. How, how clean do you reckon the sport is now? 
no, I don't think it'll ever be clean. Actually, I, don't, I think um, I think it's cleaner, but I think they're always one step ahead of the game. Yeah. Um, in saying that, I think most professional sports aren't clean. I think cycling has had a real bad rap, and they've they've really done a lot to clean it up. Um, but um, I don't think they ever will. I think where there's money in sport, I think you know the, mm. there's big money in the teams. Yeah. The UCI and the um, Asada, et cetera, et cetera, have only got a certain budget. So I, what, I think what they're doing now has not been tested for yet, so we're still to learn about it, but I think they're pushing the boundaries for sure. Have, have you seen that Icarus documentary? Yeah. That yeah. was phenomenal. Oh, mate. How about him? The Russians. Putting the... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, they found... Um, I mean, some of the big doping scandals, you know, Operation Porto, where they found 250 drug bags. You know, there were 30 cyclists in there, but there was professional... European soccer players, you know, Rafael Nadal had a massive, you know, his name was mentioned, but these other sports have got such, so much more money to cycling that that was never, they were all destroyed and got disappeared where the cycling has all come out. So, And what was that, sorry? If you go, you have a look at Operation Porto, which happened <coughs> in, so what they did, they raided a, uh, a Spanish doctor's, um, uh, you know, um, where, he, where he does clinic. all his work. Yeah, yep. clinic. Yep, yep. And um, they found, because they were blood doping, right? So taking out the blood and then putting back in a later time to, yep. which is similar a bit like taking, you know, EPO or you can increase as a red blood cell. Yep. Now they found all these cyclists, all codenamed, a lot of cyclists, but every other sport, cross-country skiing, professional, but that was only really the cyclists got done for it. So yeah, right. I think um, where there's big money, you'd be kidding yourself. Where, wherever there's money. There's guys in the local gym, obviously, there's guys in local cycling that, you know, I've, I've heard and know that, you know. So I could Any almost names, up... Pete? No one watches the show. <laughs> drop some names. <laughs> Give us an exclusive. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, so I think, yeah, I don't think it'll ever be wiped out. And I, I don't know if you could get through it without some sort of, you know, some sort of assistance, you know. It's, it's brutal. Is it, is it just a case of if the st- you still get the best rider but because they're all doing something? Or? I think so. I think Lance would have still won it. You know, there's a lot of debate there, but I think he would have still won it. You know, I think every winner for – the only winner that I haven't heard any sort of nothing about him is Cadell Evans. Yeah. yeah. I think he was actually probably clean. Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, when you looked at him ride, he was big gears up the mountains just suffering, whereas these other guys spin. So when you're spinning, it's more to do with your heart rate, right, than strength. Oh, uh, right. So they're getting heart rate up high, more blood cells, et cetera, whereas Cadell was just in a massive gear grinding away. So – he was never implicated in anything, so look, I'd like to think him and look, I'd like to think there's a lot more clean, but I'm not sure. Yeah, right. What's what's the attrition rate of the tour? So how, how many guys start on day one and actually finish on? Probably about ten to fifteen percent pull out. Yeah, and a lot of them are crashes. Yeah, yeah, a lot. They just suffer like dogs through it and just get through it. Yeah, you always see some pretty big stacks, and when one goes down in the big pile, there's. Uh... There's normally a, yeah. at least a handful go down. There's a guy that prang last year and finished like fifth overall. He broke his pelvis on stage nine and rode through it. Really? So, yeah. I, do you reckon I could get through it with one of those little motors in my bike? Take your time. <laughs> yeah. No, you'd be right. You know the motor. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, E-bike. Yeah, I want to yeah. get one of them and just slip it in and do the tour. Do it easy. Yeah. We should go I'm not over. sure the bike would make it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would need to be a motor, proper motorbike. <laughs> what uh, – on some of those – on the flat, what what sort of speed are those guys getting up to? Oh, well, the, the other night they'd gone for four hours and they're at 40, 46, 47 average. They did. What do you do, Pete? What's your what's your fastest? Oh, look, I'm a bit of a time trialer, so riding yeah. on my own, so I average around, you know, 45, 
um, but not for 200 k's over mountains. That's for a, a 20 to 40 k time trial. Yeah. So, but that's that is riding on your own without drafting. Um, but you know, local races will average you know 40 to 43, but over 70 k's, yeah. they'll do. 210 k's with 3,000 metres of climbing, average of 42 k an hour and 43. That's like riding – well, the, the hardest race in Australia is the um, Grafton to Inverell, and that's like 3,200 metres of climbing. You know, the, the leaders there, the local guys who average, you know, 32. Yeah. They did 4,000 metres the other night and averaged nearly 40 k an hour. Wow. So it is insane. Unbelievable. Yeah, it is. So you are a former Australian time trial champion. You, you do move pretty quick on the bike. Some might say you've got the most enviable bike collection on <laughs> on the Gold Coast. You've been talking it, to Dane Murray. Have. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, is it is what is what is it called? A collection of bikes? Is it a quiver or is it a oh, is it don't know, a shack? Yeah. A shack of bikes? Yeah. Shitload. Yeah. Shit tin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How, how many bikes total you got in the garage? Uh, probably about five or six, but yeah. turn them around a bit. But yeah, and uh, that's not including kids, obviously, but. There's eight more with them, but uh, if you know you're not famous, but I would say you're successful. You you, you run a successful business and successful sport. There, there's something about your mindset that when you put your mind to something, you, you you're good at it and you can excel. Where, where does that come from? Uh, like, like so, so I'll give people at home a bit of a background. You've completed the Hawaiian Ironman, which you know I can't imagine that the, the, there's not a lot of people that have done that. That, that takes a lot of you know, just as much physical ability but mental strength to get through these events that you do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with that is, um, you know, it's a constant getting up every – same with business. You know, it's a constant getting up every day and, you know, if you have a shit day or a bad day, you just come back the next day, put it behind you, you know, switch it off and go, just forget about that. Yeah. Same with business or, you know, any yep. anything you do, as you guys know, you you have those periods where it's hard. you just got to put that behind you keep going till you, till you reach your goal and – Sort of when I did Hawaii, I set the goal to do that. And then when I've come into business or anything I've done, I've just taken that same mindset. Yeah. So, you know, going, right, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to get there. <coughs> pretty much keep going until I, until I get to where I want to be. Write my goals down, all those sort of things. You, I'd say you come from a successful family. You've got some brothers and sisters that are quite successful in their, their fields. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, sorry, mate. Go on. Not, well, you know, the, the, you know, it's a fairly famous story, Australian Rules. Is it, is, that was the book? What was uh, the book's called well, – that was my brother, Phil. So he's a writer. So he wrote a book called Deadly Honor, which won Australian Book of the Year. And then he yep. wrote, a, wrote a film, um, the, the screenplay for the film, which is Australian Rules. So I watched that a little while ago. That's, yeah. That was a powerful movie. That was yeah. a powerful film and, and essentially about your, your upbringing, your childhood. Is, is, there, you know, is there something from those tough times that, that makes tough people? Yeah, yeah, I think there is. I think there is. It's um, – you know, I mean, I've got seven older brothers and sisters, all all very successful. So, you know, when you look where we come from, it's probably, it's easy to go, um, you know, I suppose it's easy to say, well, woe is me, but we've, none of us have ever done that. We've all been driven. Um, so... Well, before before we started recording, um, we were talking inside about kids and schools and, and a nice, safe place and no bullying and all yeah. this sort of stuff. And it's like... Is that good for our kids or bad for our kids? Yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point, I think. Um, I, I don't want to see bullying. Don't no, get me wrong. no, no. But, but when we make things too easy and, and make, you know, take away all resistance, is that what's creating the culture where maybe, you know, it, we've seen it. We've seen the decline of our Olympic teams mm. and we've, 
you know, the the big the big footy codes and that's still successful. But, you know, these coaches are having to deal with these millennials and I don't know whether it's necessarily the millennials or whether they're just products of what we've of what we've created, you know, like yeah. tough tough times bring tough men. Tough men bring is a saying like tough men bring easy times and then mm. easy times create soft people sort of thing. Like I don't know. Yeah. There's a lot of successful people from tough upbringings, isn't there? That's so, what I'm, that's so what I'm saying, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a good point. It's um, anyone that hasn't seen that movie should have a look. It's a, a quality quality Aussie film and yeah. a very strong story. So get 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 around that. But um, yeah, I just there's obviously a mindset and you know successful sport. There's that that mental capability's got to be a big chunk of it. Yeah, yeah. I think um, you know you got to you got to be prepared to lose too, don't you? You got to be prepared to you know a lot of people have got the fear of failure, you know and it still creeps back in with different races mm. I do or whatever, you know. You still think, ah, oh, what if, you know, but you just got to put that aside and have a go and go, well, whatever. I've got it strong. You're probably going to lose more, a lot more than you win in sport, so. Um, well, I think every time I lean over a golf ball and look at it, I just there's that little voice in your head just goes, you're going to miss. <laughs> you're yeah, I mean, it's, it's you laugh about it, but it's, it's fairly common in, in a lot of sports and golf in particular when you obviously you're hitting a stationary ball, probably, yeah. um, you know heightens that fit fear a little bit but I think what you said earlier when you know just to keep going and keep pushing and like you said when you you hit a flat spot or you hit a hurdle that determination to keep going and it probably comes back to what you say those guys that have tough upbringings where they hit a lot of hurdles along the way and it's either give up or keep going um and then you know a lot of times they'll they'll choose to keep going and that's what you don't you don't hear of a lot of like other than maybe race car drivers you, you don't hear a lot of Success stories. Oh, dad was a billionaire. Kid had yeah. everything he ever wanted. Yeah, grew up to be the toughest man on the planet. Like, yeah. this doesn't happen. No. You don't. You don't hear it much, do you? No, it's a good point. It's always people that have had to graft and grind and work their way to get to where they've got and know what. I don't know. They've had to work hard for everything that they've ever got, and that makes them the best. I, I could be wrong. I could be missing the mark, but I can. There's there's something there that in adversity that breeds breeds. Successful I think, people. Yeah. I think life experiences and what people go through as being human is what builds them into who they are, and then that's what they use in times of, you know, in your sporting life or your business life. You use you use that history to build, and yeah, you know, and that's what gets you through and keeps you moving forward. I think. Yep. Training for anything at the moment? Yeah, got the. Um Aussie titles coming up yep. and um, about two months in Adelaide and then there's a six-hour race in the US that I want to do, which I've put my name down for. I have to be accepted, but... Six hours, so you're in the six car? Six-hour time trial. In, in the car? <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I need a car driver if you want to come. Mate, I, I, I did 15 minutes on the exercise bike and my nether regions went numb the other day. <laughs> I don't know how you do it. Yeah, so so got that coming up. So, yeah, it's sort of training quite hard at the moment, so pretty yeah. keen. And, um, so when you say hard, how many times a week, how many Ks? Do about four to 500 at the moment. Did like 420 last week. Yeah. Ks? Yeah. Wow. You don't drive that far, Red. <laughs> <laughs> I do. But <laughs> When you say a six-hour race, what? how many Ks are you doing in six hours? Like, what's it? Well, hopefully average around 40. Okay. 40K an hour. So yeah. it's at 240. 240 yeah. yeah. So that's going to be like... Riding on your own flat out for six hours is pretty brutal. But uh, so is it a race where you you've got to do the most amount of kilometres? Yeah, or you, yeah. exactly. Okay, yeah. so you're not allowed to you're not allowed to sort of sit with any other cyclist. So yeah. time trial. So ride as far as you can in six hours. So yeah, right. The record's like forty k an hour. So if I'm going to go, I really want to get it fit enough because I'm better at endurance events. Yeah, I did Ironman and stuff. So the longer the 
longer the rides, the better I normally am. So yeah. hopefully I'll go over and see what happens, give it a bit of a crack. That's and, awesome. Yeah, have a bit of a holiday. Whereabouts well. in the States? Oh, it's at, um, just in from San Diego. Okay. Um, What's the name of the place again? Oh, Borrego Springs, it's called. Yeah. Yeah, so it's sort of between LA and San Diego, inland in the in the California desert. Yep. So, yeah, so they have it there every year. So hopefully um, that's the goal, all goes well and stay fit. And... Well, look forward to hearing how you go there. Thanks, Matty. Mate, I've got I've got three questions to finish. Yep. Uh, we do it do it for all our special guests. Uh, first thing that pops into your head, try and, try and keep them coming. Uh, but here we go. Favourite destination anywhere in the world for a beer? I'd say Annecy in France on the lake. Oh. After a ride. Yeah. yeah. Anywhere in the world? You mentioned the world? Yeah. yeah. Anywhere in the world? Yeah. Annecy is my favourite spot in the world, so I'll go there. Sounds good. Favourite athlete of all time? Big basketball fan, so I'd probably go Michael Jordan. Another one. <laughs> Natural basketball fan. I coach, I coach my boys in basketball. They love it. So I grew up watching him, so I would have to say, I would have to say him. I'm going to stop the clock. Talk Ben Simmons might not play for the Boomers now this this uh, off season because he's currently negotiating a two hundred and forty million dollar contract with the Sixers and I think they want him to rest for the yeah. off season. <laughs> Bit disappointing for the Boomers, but that is a phenomenal chunk of change. You'd probably rest at two hundred forty million, wouldn't you? That's a max. That's a max deal. That's as much as you can get. Yeah. And, and, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. It's funny, Jordan. We everyone. I think. I don't think it's we've about had, the fourth time Jordan's yeah. come up. Jordan, yeah, you know, I don't know. There's, he's probably. I mean, I may have been to the psych and later in life, so. But yeah, he'd probably be as a kid. I loved him. We talk about him. I, I don't know what his family background was, but that, that's a guy that couldn't make his high school basketball team. Yeah. So adversity. He worked and worked and worked and worked and worked. Well, his dad got murdered, didn't he? Got shot. Did he? Did yeah. He? Yeah. 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 Or that was late in life. Yeah, though. that later, was that yeah, was yeah, sort of that was that was what yeah. ended his basketball career the yeah. first time. Sort yeah, of thing. Right. He went yeah. and played baseball yeah. and played did Space Jam and yeah. ended up back playing basketball. But, but LeBron James and Russell Westbrook, they're all come from hard backgrounds, yeah. don't they? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, keeps coming up. MJ, I should show you my basketball cards, but that's another, that's another pod. Last one. Any four people from history. You can have them over to your place. Who do you invite and what are you cooking on the barbecue? Oh, just steak and salad, I think. That's an easy one. Um, yeah, that's a hard one. Go, um, I'd go Jordan, Nelson Mantella. Um, I'll go Brad Wiggins and I'll go Lance. Brad Wiggins. I still love Lance. Lance can bring the party drug. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Is is the worst thing that Lance did the way he treated people? That the... Oh, definitely. Yeah, the way he bullied people, and he was a real, yeah, a real prick, you know. And he knows that now. But um, that's what um, you know. They were just going to get him. You know, they were just going to keep hunting him until he come clean. So yeah. Mate, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, Matty. Welcome any time here at the Sweaty Box. Um, fans at home. You can find us at Beers and Banter on all the uh, usual platforms. Uh, thanks for listening and uh, thanks, boys. We'll see you next thanks. week. Thanks, Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.